right, good morning. Good morning, good to see everybody here today. Let's all stand together and let's sing our hearts out today to our Lord and Savior, all right? Let's sing this wonderful hymn, He Keeps Me Singing. Sing it out. There's within my heart a melody, Jesus whispers sweet and low. Here not I am with thee, peace be still, in all of life's so good to see you here this morning. I uh, just want to welcome you to Airline Baptist Church. If you're visiting with us, we are so honored to have you here today. Just want to invite you to take a moment. There should be a connection card somewhere around the seat back in front of you. We'd love for you to fill that out. And uh, we have a gift for you just to thank you for taking time to be here for worship today. And as well, if there's any prayer needs or concerns, we'd love to be able to pray over those. And so you can just fill that in in the card and uh, we'll take time to pray over that this week. And again, so honored that you are here. We are excited to be able to worship together today. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll go to our time of offering. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. God, we just thank you for the opportunity to worship you and to honor you today. So God, help our attention, help our minds be focused on you. God, help our hearts be attuned to you and your word and your worship, God. And God, let us give you all the glory that you are due. God, we pray for this offering. Let it be used for your kingdom, for your glory and your honor. God, let it be used for why you have placed us on this earth to make disciples. We love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I believe in the Son. I 
Sing that. So I'll cherish the
Father, we love you and we thank you, God, for this time, Lord. And it is that powerful, holy name of Jesus, Father, that gives us life, that gives us hope, God, that we rely on today, Father, for everything that we need, Lord. And we give you so much praise and we thank you that for that, for loving us so much. God, we just pray you bless this time as the pastor comes right now, God, to preach his word, your word to us. Father, I pray you'd use him, bless him, give him power. Give him freedom, God, to preach what you've laid on his heart, the word that we need to hear to help us to walk closer to you and to do those things, God, that you've placed us here in this place to do. So, Lord, speak to our hearts. Use him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. the band for leading us in worship this morning. I invite you to turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1. 
And I'll be honest, this week I, I was wrestling with really where to go next. Um, so if you remember the past couple weeks, we've really been talking about our vision for 2024, kind of where we're going as a church. And I typically like to have my sermons planned out about four to six months in advance. That's kind of how I operate. I like to map out our series, know where we're going. And I'll be honest, I had planned all the way through last Sunday, and I did not have a clue where we were going next. And so I'm kind of praying in the office Monday, like, God, where are we going? I've got nothing. Praying in the office Tuesday, I'm kind of flipping through the Bible going, well, okay, getting late in the week here, God, I kind of need to know where we're going. Um, and just as I began to pray, I, I settled on the book of Joshua. And really, here's, here's why, because not but this isn't the reason I'm preaching it, but preaching kind of Old Testament historical books is difficult. It's hard because there's a ditch on either side of the road. On, on one side of the ditch is we, we kind of over-spiritualize everything. We think everything is a picture of something else. And so that's kind of a ditch. The, the ditch on the other side of the road is that we just simply read it as history with no application. So we read it and we see how God interacted in Joshua's life and how God interacted within the life of the Israelites. And we go, that was cool, but it stays there. So as we approach the book of Joshua, our aim is really kind of twofold. We want to see how God interacted within the life of Joshua and within the life of the Israelites as they moved into the promised land. And we want to draw application because we want to read the book of Joshua as Christians, first and foremost. But we want to draw application from that. And I believe that's what we see in the book of Joshua. That to put the book of Joshua in a nutshell, the book of Joshua paints this picture of God giving a call to his people, God commanding his people to embark on a journey in which he will fulfill his promise to his people. And that by the end of the book, the promise has been fulfilled. But hear me, just because God fulfills his promise does not mean there's not difficulty along the way. Does not mean there's not trials along the way. Does not mean that there's not battles along the way. Which I would say is a pretty applicable point to us today. Past couple weeks as a church, we've really just kind of laid out, here's who we are, here's where we're going as a church, and we, I, I believe we're excited about it. We're, I know especially us as a staff and leadership, we are excited about where we're going as a church, but we must rely upon Him. And that there will be difficulties along the way. There will be Hopefully not literal fights, but there will be battles along the way. 
which is exactly what we see in the book of Joshua as they enter into what God had called them to enter into. So for sake of time, we're not going to read through it all at once because we're going to cover all of chapter 1 this morning. So if you thought we were here for a long time last Sunday, buckle up. So Joshua chapter 1, three kind of things we see in this text. Verses 1 through 9, we see God charges Joshua. It says, starting at verse 1, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Now, we're familiar with Joshua. Joshua was kind of the right-hand man to Moses. He was Moses' assistant. And not only was Joshua the right-hand man to Moses, Joshua was one of the spies who went into the promised land and actually came back with a positive report. If you remember, most of the spies that went into the land, they come back to Moses and they say, there is no way we can take the promised land. There's no way we can go in there. There are giants. They are massive. There's no way we can do it. But Joshua and Caleb come back. They say, it's, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. And by God's might and by God's favor, we can take it. So that's Joshua. That's the man Joshua was. And now all of a sudden we're entering into this point in history in which Moses has died. Moses, the man who led them out of Egypt. Moses, the man who led them through the wandering in the wilderness. That Moses, Moses, the man who penned the Pentateuch, is dead. Their fearless leader is gone. And all of a sudden, God speaks to Joshua. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. God just cut straight to the point. Not, hey, Joshua, how you doing? How's your day going? How, how are you grieving? Moses... My servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Moses is dead. And I love the word that's used there, now. You see, God's charge to Joshua is situated in time. What God was commanding Joshua to do took place in a moment in history. You see, Joshua had no control over what had happened before. Joshua wasn't asked to respond to what had happened previously. You see, for the Israelites, at this moment in time, their past was not what identified them as Israel. He says, now. You see, nor is God talking to Joshua about his future. He's commanding Joshua about now. What he needs to do now. 
in this small moment in time. You see, I believe as churches, we can get lost in either side of that. We can get so wrapped up in what has happened in the past, whether good, bad, or indifferent. We can get so wrapped up in what happened back there, we lose sight of what God has called us to do now. You see, what happened back there, if it was bad, it cannot be removed. If it was good, it cannot be recreated. Why? Because we are in the here and now. But the ditch on the other side of the road is we're so focused on the future, we lose sight of the now. Now hear me, I'm a long-term planning guy. I'm not a details guy. I like to think ahead in the future. Like Clint, I, I started reading Chess Not Checkers this week. And I was so intrigued by it, I actually sat down last night and learned how to play chess. I may shock you, I've never played chess before in my life. I may strike you as a chess player, I may not. But I got into it and I learned the rules, I learned what was going on. And he, Nelson, here's what shocked me about chess is that the rules aren't that difficult. They're just not. Each piece moves in a particular way, and here's how you capture other pieces. That's not the difficult part of chess. The difficult part of chess is you have to be thinking three to four to five moves ahead of where you actually are. That's just the way chess works. If I move this piece here, is that going to set me up for something positive later on, or is that going to hurt me later on? And so you have to be thinking all of these steps ahead. But here's the reality. Thinking all those steps ahead are meaningless if you don't make the first move. You see, here's what I believe. If we want to be a church that makes disciples of Northeast Georgia in five to ten years, we do that by being a church that makes disciples of Northeast Georgia today. If we want to be a church that is Christ-driven, community-focused in five to ten years, we do that by being a church that's Christ-driven, community-focused today. We don't wait to do what God has called us to do. Now, therefore, arise. You see, God was, God's charge is taking place in a moment in time. And that God has you here in this moment, in this time. Do you think that's by accident? That God has you here for now. God may have had you here for the airline of 50 years ago. Praise the Lord for that. Or God may have you here for the airline in 50 years. Praise God for that. But it's no mistake that God has you here for the airline of now. So he speaks to Joshua and says, now therefore arise. Go over this 
Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all shall be your, and uh, skip the line there, and all the land of the Hittite to the great sea to the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Not only is God's charge situated in time, it is centered around a place. You see, if we go all the way back to the book of Genesis, chapter 15, God promises the land to Abram. God says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And he promises him that there will be this land for his inheritance, but he says it's not ready yet. We're going to get into that a little bit more as this series goes on. There's some things that have to happen in the land before he can give them the land. But notice the language that God uses, the land that I'm giving to them, the land that you will tread upon, I have given to you. God is giving them something that in his eternal perspective is already their possession. He's giving them what's already theirs. It's just a matter of them walking into it and trusting him to provide it. So it centers around a place. Then notice verse 5. He says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Not only does it center around a place, God's charge, God's command to Joshua focuses him on himself. That what does God want Joshua to see in this command? He wants Joshua to have his eyes fixed on him. That he would see God is the one who is with him. God is the one who is present with him as he's journeying into the land. That he's not by himself. Say, so how is Joshua going to do it? Because God is present. You see, I've, I was studying this week, and I, 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 like, to, I like to read a, a diverse array of commentaries as I prepare. And I, and I got a hold of some that are highly academic commentaries that I'm like, guys, I would not be comfortable with teaching a life group out of fear of what they would tell you. But they were doubting the Joshua story, Mike. And so they come up with all these theories of how Joshua actually entered into the land. And really the, the basis of that theory was Israel was a fledgling army. There's no way that this 
army of former farmers and wanderers could have entered into Canaan and overtook it and overpowered Canaan and their cities. I'm sitting there reading that going, that's kind of the point. Yes, Israel was a fledgling army. They they didn't have the military prowess. They didn't have the highest weapons technology. And yet they overtook Canaan. Why? God was with them. That's kind of the whole point of Joshua, that it's not about Joshua. It's not about the Israelites. It's the God of Joshua. It's the God of Israel who does the battles. And that when, throughout the book of Joshua, when Israel has its eyes fixed on God, everything works out. But it's when Israel shifts their eyes to themselves or something else, things begin to go awry. So God is reminding him of who he is says this, be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Notice this repetition. God is well aware that What the Israelites were about to walk into, what Joshua was about to walk into was going to be difficult. It was going to be scary. It was going to make them weak. And so God says, be strong and courageous. The journey that Israel was about to walk into was not for the faint of heart. They were about to have battles before them. They were going to need to be strong and they were going to need to take courage in the midst of the battle. So he says, be strong and courageous. He says, be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. A love of everything God could have commanded Joshua. Joshua, you're about to fight some military battles, so here's a good book on proper military strategy. You need to study this. Joshua, here's 10 tips to be a better leader. Joshua, here's whatever. No, what does he tell Joshua? Meditate on my word. At the end of the day, what was it that Joshua needed to complete the task that God had called him to? It was God's word. In the same way, brothers and sisters, what do we need to complete the task that God has called us to? It's his word. This is what we should be diving into 
on a daily basis to hear what God has to say. And then he says this, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So God simply repeats what he's already told him. So Joshua, don't be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Be strong. Be courageous. Why, God? Because, Joshua, you're awesome and you have what it takes. No. Because, Joshua, you have all the tools in the toolbox. I trust you to get the job done. Joshua, you can be strong and courageous. You cannot be frightened. You cannot be dismayed because I'm with you. Does that not sound familiar to what we see in Matthew 28 as Jesus commissions his disciples to go out? He begins the great commission by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Not some authority, not most authority, not majority authority, but all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then how does he end the Great Commission? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's with us. As I shared last week, what God's called us to is a big big task make disciples of Northeast Georgia. And in and of ourselves, it will not be done. If it is relying on my talents, my abilities, it'll never get there. If it's reliant upon our deacons and their abilities, we'll never get there. If it's relying upon our life group, our staff, whoever, we'll never get there. But church, if we will lean into the one who has all authority, we can get there. If we can lean into the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave, we can get there, but we must lean upon his presence. So we see God's charges to Joshua and it takes place in time and it's centered around a place, but ultimately it's focused upon himself. But then we move into the second part where Joshua then charges the people, verses 10 through 15. It says, and Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. For within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. So what's Joshua's response to hearing God's call and his command? 
okay, God, I hear what you're saying. Let me pray about it for a few days. No. He gets up. He says, rally the troops. It's time to go. So the very first thing Joshua does is he calls the people to prepare. The time of wondering was over. The time of sitting at the bank of the Jordan wondering when they were going to go over was done. <coughs> it was time to prepare to go. So Joshua's called to prepare. But then verse 12, and to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. You see here, Joshua's talking to what's known as the Transjordan tribes. That these were the ones, they, they were on the eastern side of the Jordan River. And so they already had their land. They already had their inheritance. And yet Joshua's calling on them to come take part of the conquest. Joshua's calling on them really to provide, to help the rest of the tribe get into the land. See, there was nothing really for them to gain from partaking in this conquest. That wasn't their land they were going to fight for. They already had theirs. The only thing they had to gain was supporting their brothers and sisters of Israel. And yet, they joined in. You see, I wonder how many times in our own Christian lives do we make decisions based on what benefits me, myself, and mine. Instead of asking the question, what benefits this body as a whole? I'm not saying it's bad to have preferences or to enjoy certain things. What if we took the posture of these two and a half tribes and said, you know what? What is best for the body is best for us. Because that's the posture they ultimately took. They didn't have any land to gain over there. But yet what was best for their brothers and sisters was best for them. So Joshua calls them to help provide, that they're going to help send men of valor to help go fight the battle, to step into the conquest. But then lastly, we see the people 
respond. And they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. And whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you commanded them shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Notice the people rally in unity over what they've been commanded to do. The people unify around it. They say, we're going to go. They recognize God's activity in this. And notice even they encouraged Joshua with what God had told Joshua to be strong and courageous. You see, there's something special that happens when people unify around a singular purpose. There's something special when a group of people unify and say, this is our goal, this is our target, this is what we're reaching for. And they rally around that. You see, as a church, to get to where God has called us to go is going to require unity that we rally around one another to go to accomplish the task that God has called us to accomplish. It's not accomplished in the, hand, in, in the hands of a select few. It wasn't accomplished just because Joshua gave a good speech to the people. It was accomplished because the tribes came together to see it through. In the same way as a church, it doesn't get accomplished because a select handful, but it gets accomplished when all of us come together to see it through. As the band comes back to the stage, I know we covered a lot of text this morning. But the beginning of the book of Joshua is the introduction to this central idea. And it's this, God is faithful to his promises, but his people must unify around and trust in his promises. God's beginning the work of fulfilling his promise. The tribes are standing at the door. They've 
seeing God work in Egypt and taking them through the Exodus and crossing the Red Sea. They've seen God at work. But then they, the generation before them, were disobedient in the wilderness. So they've had to wait. And now the time has come. The waiting is over. God's about to fulfill his promise to Israel. But yet the people still had to unify around that and trust in his promise. Not because Joshua was a great leader, not because Moses was a great leader, not because there were great leaders in the officers of the tribes, but because they were following a great God. You see, all throughout God's word, We've seen it, and I've, we've read these texts that my, my very first sermon here over a year ago now, which is crazy, got Christ promised to build his church, that he's the one that builds his church. And how does he describe it? That not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. We, we know that. We read that. But do we actually believe that? Do we unify around that? Do we trust that? You see, there's all kinds of other promises about his, his word going out and, and not returning empty. Do we believe that? Do we trust that do we believe that if someone actually just calls upon the name of the Lord that they can actually be saved do we believe that do we trust that do we believe that the gospel can actually change a community do we believe that if the gospel actually begins to spread, that even communities can change? Do we believe that? Because if we believe that, do we act upon it? Because if we actually believe that the gospel is powerful to save and that Christ can save anyone, what's keeping me from sharing that at home and at work and to the waitress at lunch? 
if we actually believe that the gospel is powerful to move through the hearts of a community, then what's keeping us at a, at a corporate level of believers of going, God, I want to see it work. Give us the trust in you to see it work. And so as we begin this Joshua series, the challenge is rather simple. We know what God has called us to do as a church. And I shared last week, what God's called us to do as a church is unique in that we are in a unique context. Every church across America has the goal to make disciples. We have the same mission, except ours is here in this context. So Joshua was given a call. He was given a mission. He was charged to lead the people of Israel into their promise. And to begin that process, God had to take his eyes and place them on himself. It wasn't about Joshua, it was about God. It wasn't about Moses, it was about God. It wasn't about the 12 tribes, it was about God. In church today, it's not about me. It's not about our deacons. It's not about our staff. It's about God. So what we have to do is we have to respond like the people of Israel responded and we rally in unity about what God has called us to do. Because there's gonna be difficulty there's going to be headache, there's going to be heartache along the way. But God is with us. So today, will you join me in praying that we would walk in that unity, trusting God to do what only he can do. Will you join me in praying for that today? I'm going to pray, and if you want to come pray, this altar's open. If you need somebody to pray with, Clint will be standing over here. I'll be standing to this side. Let's walk in unity, trusting God to do what only he can do. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. God, thank you for your word. And God, just the opportunity to pause and look at how you worked in Joshua. And God, we can draw application from that to even our lives today. So God, would you speak to us today? God, help us as a church to walk in unity in what you've called us to do. But God, also to trust you to do what only you are capable of doing. And God, we love you. We praise you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Will you stand as we respond today?
Just a couple quick announcements. Um, appreciate you so much for being here today. Again, if you're visiting, we'd love to um, catch up with you in the foyer, spend some time with you, uh, just to thank you for being here today. Um, but you can see a couple things going on in your bulletin. So we had a great turnout this past week for Ironman. So I want to thank all the men that were here. Had a great meal together, great time. Um, over the next couple weeks, we'll be starting getting those small groups together. So be on the lookout for that information. But next Monday will be our second session um, with kind of large group time. So I encourage you to come back on the 22nd, come be a part of that. Um, and then, of course, Wednesday night, we got started last week with our kind of airline DNA. As we dive into our identity, what do we mean by some of the stuff that we say with mission, vision, all that. Uh, so I encourage you to come back this Wednesday night as we dive into our vision, kind of where we're going, what we're doing, who we are about of course, D now coming up, and so I'm going to ask Taylor to share a little bit and then pray to close us. Hey guys, so we we've got the little sheets. We got a little sheet. What am I doing with this? This is for parents. Okay, she's giving me last minute instructions. We got a little sheets. 
out. They were handed out with the bulletin that's got all the stuff that we need. Um, now we have the boxes sitting out around campus. Most of them, I guess all of them are in this building at different entrances and hallways uh, where you can place those items if you were to buy those and put those in there. We greatly appreciate it. Also remember you can sponsor a student if you'd like to do that. Um, parents, here's your packet of information and also medical information that we'll need um, signed and sent back into us. Your students should have that. If they don't, let us know. We'll get you one. I think that's it. I'm not going to look at her because she'll tell me something else to say. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you so much for uh, this gathering, God, to be able to, to gather here together, to worship you corporately, to sing your praises and to hear your word preached in truth, Father. And God, I pray that um, everyone here, Father, all of us together, we, we become one as we serve you, Father. We serve this community, make disciples in this northeast Georgia area, Father, that you've placed us, that you've, that you've, you've given us to, to change for, for you and your kingdom, Father. God, give us strength. Uh, for each new day, for each new challenge, give us wisdom that we would always follow you, we'd always be obedient to your word, Father. God, we love you and we praise you. It's in the name of Jesus uh, we praise. Amen.